we were managing anywhere from 250,000 tweets a second that we were doing natural language processing and entity extraction on. And it was really complicated. It was really expensive. And we were frustrated. And we figured there had to be a better way to do this. And that we are, you know, we do not think of ourselves as particularly smart and that there must be smarter people out there who had figured out a better way to do this. And the short story is after a long sort of search, we did not find a better way to do it. And we launched HarperDB with the idea that we wanted to build a database that was highly scalable, but that was developer friendly and simple to use. And that had a great developer experience. And so that was sort of why we built HarperDB. Couchbase is a modern, multi-cloud-to-edge, SQL-friendly JSON document database for building applications with agility, performance, and scale. For tutorials, videos, and documentation, as well as best practice tips, quick start guides, and community resources, visit the Couchbase developer portal at couchbase.com slash stackoverflow. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast. I am Ben Popper, the director of content here at Stack Overflow, and I am joined today, as I often am, by my colleague, Ryan Donovan. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Ben. Uh, what's up? So for folks who don't know, Ryan edits our blog and uh, helps to run our newsletter. And he and I have done a fair number of interviews and pieces, I would say, over the two years we've been working together about databases. Mm-hmm. We were together interviewing the CTO of MongoDB not too long ago. And we have two great guests today, Stephen and Kyle from HarperDB, who are going to tell us a little bit about their organization, what they work on, their approach to this stuff. So Stephen, Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. So uh, Kyle, why don't we start with you? Maybe tell people a little bit about who you are, how you got into computer science, and yeah, what it is you work on over at Harper. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Kyle Bernhardy, uh, one of the co-founders of HarperDB and uh, CTO. So my role at HarperDB, you know, like any startups, wearing a lot of hats, lead architect, lead engineer, assist with, you know, sales engineering. All right, let me stop and let me get, you have a total of less than 50 employees? Uh, yes. So we are under, tw- how many employees do we have, Stephen? As of this week, we have 15. 15 employees. Yes. Okay. So you're still very yeah, yeah. early stage. When was the company created? We were founded in March of 2017. Stephen, quickly tell folks, yeah, who you are and what it is you work on. I'm Steven Goldberg. I'm one of the founders of HarperDB with Kyle. I like to joke that uh, Kyle and Fred decided to make me CEO because I'm the most socially awkward and they thought that would be funny. It's uh, <laughs> a good uh, troll. What a prank. So are you, are you mostly from a business background or are you also from a technical background? Uh, no, my, my background is technical. So I was actually the CTO of last company where Kyle and I worked together. I've been programming since I was about 13 Huge fan of Stack Overflow, but uh, I'm nowhere near the programmer Kyle is. So uh, for this venture, we thought it made more sense for Kyle to be CTO. Gotcha. And let's uh, sort of use that. Where did you two meet? What were you working on before this venture? So this is the third, fourth company where Kyle and I have worked together, actually. We met when I was a consultant at a company called Statera, and Kyle uh, was my customer at a company called Coresight. And We got stuck together in a room programming on salesforce.com for about a month in a very tiny conference room. And I mean, are you licensed or were you uh, going off the grid there? No, no. At the time I was uh, no longer. That was uh, over a decade ago. 
All right. So you've known each other in a few places. Is this the first company you sort of co-founded or started out as co-founders or no? Yeah, that's, I founded a small consulting company and Kyle was my first hire two companies ago. And then this is the first company where we that we co-founded together. Yep. All right. Well, this is the Stack Overflow podcast. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask Stephen, why is Kyle so much of a better coder than you? Is it intellectual, <laughs> is it emotional, psychological? Like what are, what are the tips and what are the tips and tricks here? All, all of the above. I'm very good at fast POCs, but uh, I highly doubt that any of my code is still in production on HarperDB. <laughs> They've probably ripped it out <laughs> at this point. You know, my background was consulting. I, I was sort of a quick and dirty get it done. Kyle mm-hmm. is disciplined. He does the in-depth research. He is focused on performance. It's, you know, creative, great at problem solving. And I think I would be best described as pretty sloppy and fast. Uh, yeah, if that makes sense. Kyle, I, I assume uh, you've had to sit with a code base longer than uh, Stephen. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been sitting with it. I stare at it every day for four years. It's uh very much my child at this mm. point. <laughs> and it's growing up so fast. It's four and a half years old. <laughs> so you'd worked together before, it sounds like in a couple different capacities, and you wanted to start a business together and something that was focused on databases. What were your sort of foundational architectural choices? What kind of languages and frameworks you're using here to build this? Like, how is it architected? And then maybe we can get a little bit into sort of like the the thesis, which I, I read on the website, you know, mm-hmm. what it's about and also, the, you know, one of the, the sort of studies you paid for, an independent study to compare it to some of the other major folks out there. So tell us a little bit about, yeah, the choices you made at the beginning about how to build it. And then actually, maybe we should start with the problem you were trying to solve. And then we can talk about the tools you chose. Yeah, I can talk to the problem and Kyle obviously can better speak to the architectural choices we've made. So in our last company, we were a working at a big data sports entertainment analytics company. We were managing big data from the Twitter firehose, Facebook, et cetera, for live sporting events. So getting real-time streaming data, you know, for events like the World Cup, the World Series, Super Bowl, Beyonce concerts. Kyle and I built this sort of Frankenstein architecture across AWS and, you know, many other places using lots of different technologies it was extremely complex to maintain. And the real problem was sort of trying to do real-time streaming analytics in an operational capacity at scale in a small company. We were managing anywhere from 250,000 tweets a second that we were doing natural language processing and entity extraction on. And it was really complicated. It was really expensive. And we were frustrated. Um, and we figured there had to be a better way to do this and that we are, you know, we do not think of ourselves as particularly smart and that there must be smarter people out there who had figured out a better way to do this. And the short story is after a long sort of search, we did not find a better way to do it. And we launched HarperDB with the idea that we wanted to build a database that was highly scalable, but that was developer friendly and simple to use and that had a great developer experience. And so that was sort of why we built HarperDB. So Kyle, let's put it over to you. And then Ryan, let me step back for a second and let you ask some questions. But we understand now what the pain points were based on previous experience, sort of where the opportunity was that you saw in the market. You know, you had, I guess you had a chance to sort of step back and say, all right, we're going to build this from scratch. You know, what kind of choices did you make and how many of those choices do you regret deeply today? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can list a few that I regret. So the framework that we use is Node.js. So from day one, we chose Node.js. The reason for Node was, first of all, you start a new project, start a new company. It's a huge lift. And there's so many decisions that you have to do 
learn a new language, learn a new framework, that's extra stress on top of everything else that you're stressed about. So we had a lot of experience at our previous company scaling out Node.js applications. So it's what our team knew. Uh, We loved and still love Node.js. Also with NPM, a massive community behind it. And so, you know, getting something off the ground, being able to create an MVP quickly, leveraging libraries, like we can do best, you know, evaluate best of breed libraries to solve problems that are important, but not core to what we ourselves have to solve, but complement our problems. Leveraging NPM really helped get our product off the ground really quickly. And, you know, we're still iterating around that. We started out with ExpressJS because HarperDB is an API first database. So that's how you access and interact with our database. So we were using ExpressJS Express is what everyone uses and knows, but uh, Fastify is what we use now. We were doing some high-end scale benchmarks uh, around this time last year, and we're hitting some real choke points on scale with the HTTP part. And then through doing evaluation, we found Fastify is amazing to use. And so just you know, the iterations that you make just inside all that uh, with the community is awesome and things keep evolving. But anyway, I could go on and on about this stuff for a really long time. Yeah. When I, I saw the uh, spiel on the website, it talked about the scalability and I assume replicability of the, uh, the data. My last job, we had worked with Cassandra as the production database and just kind of replicating it across two data centers. And I remember that being, you know, at least one, two, three people's jobs to maintain that. How do you guys do that kind of scalability and data integrity on such a large scale? Yeah, so our data replication model, so first of all, at a low level, we're using a WebSocket communication protocol to maintain steady state communication between nodes. And replication is configured by whoever's managing HarperDB, your DBA or engineer. And so it's pub sub at the table level. Um, so you get to choose how these replications occur. And HarperDB is also has the, our intention with HarperDB is outages happen. And so we kind of come from a offline first idea. So we are ACID compliant at the node level and eventually consistent across the cluster. So, but what I was saying with the understanding that offline happened, you could have network cuts, you could have a server go down, things like that. So we also have built-in catch-up routines. So, you know, the notion of, hey, we haven't talked to each other in, you know, and milliseconds, what I miss from each other in this period of time. So just from making sure that data is maintained and caught up, things like that. So we have these understandings built into HarperDB. Also from a conflict resolution perspective, uh, how we approach things is from like a last writer wins because HarperDB, you can think about as more like a peer-to-peer database. And so, you know, you're configuring your cluster however you need the data to flow. So think about more peer-to-peer. And so you could be working on that same record on multiple nodes Um, And so currently what we're doing, like I said, is last writer wins. We're looking into um, conflict-free resolution data types, which are a new data type that is built for peer-to-peer. And so that's something we're doing active R&D around right now, just to have better 
resolution around truing up data when you've got multiple sources of truth. From a, a management perspective, I would just add, you're absolutely right. Typically managing sort of clusters at this scale is complicated. Mm -hmm. Philosophically, when we built the product, we really wanted it to be such that it was easy to maintain by a developer. You didn't need a DBA, you didn't need a DevOps person. And so all of it could be managed via microservices. We have a studio that visualizes how to set up the cluster pretty easily. And Kyle, myself, and our background, we're, we're really developers first. We're not DBAs, we're not data scientists, we're not database engineers. And so we built a product that we would want to use and it shows and it makes it a lot easier to manage a cluster, to set up an environment. It takes about you know five minutes to install HarperDB, configuring two nodes to talk to each other is a single API call. And a lot of the intelligence of the cluster management, while extremely complicated, is really obfuscated from the end user. So they're not worrying about that. And it's kind of on rails, which is a trade-off in the sense there are things we can't do and we'll never be able to do because we made it on rails, but we put it on those rails so that you're not having 15 people managing a 20 node cluster and that one person can easily do it. That's sort of the trade-off we made there. Do you guys use any any sort of data locking, any field locking or anything like that? So, you know, there's there are products in the market that like as you're transacting, it'll lock out the row. That's what you're talking across the cluster. Sure. Yeah. So we do not lock out the row across the cluster. So like in the what Stephen was saying, like we're not good for some use cases like fintech. Like we would be a terrible product to use in fintech where you have to have like extremely high scale data resolution. Where we are great fits is areas like gaming and, you know, like use cases around like sensor data collection, like other areas in like telecom, you know, there's use cases in entertainment, things like that. But, you know, fintech, we're always really upfront when we're talking to prospects that where uh, our gaps are, just so that, you know, if that's your use case, there's other products that you should be looking at. We don't want to send people down the path that, you know, they lose trust in us just because we weren't upfront and transparent to start. That's really interesting. So for somebody like myself, who's not as conversant, why is yours a little bit squishier in the sense that maybe financial institutions wouldn't be interested in it, but appealing for something like gaming, which is large, loud? So I, I can sort of address that. So if you think of like a financial tracking section, Cockroach DB is a really great product for that. And sort of the way that works is if you make an update to a row, like Ryan was sort of suggesting in Tokyo, it'll globally lock out that row all over the world. And that ensures that when that update happens, um, that it's consistent everywhere in the world and you get the same response from a node in London and a node in New York, et cetera, which is really important financially because if you don't do that, you may end up in a state where two people bought the same item or two people traded the same share. And so that's important, but what you're trading for that is speed. The ability to make that update takes significantly longer than HarperDB. Whereas in HarperDB, let's say I'm logging on to a gaming console in Tokyo, and I want that to be reflected all over the world. It's okay that that status might be wrong for 100 milliseconds, but I want that performance because I want that to happen as fast as humanly possible. And so when I'm looking at the fastest speed possible, but it's okay to have 100 milliseconds of mistakes. HarperDB is an excellent choice. If I'm looking at use cases where 
I cannot make a mistake, Harper DB is not as good of a choice, if that makes sense. Right. It's it's for that uh, real-time data. Like if somebody is moving around in a game, it's okay to kind of lose that little hundred millisecond you know, position. It's almost like it's it's uh, automatically error correcting, right? How can we both win at the Call of Duty World Championship? Parker <laughs> <laughs> TV says we both had the headshot at the same time. We're not giving you access. Yeah, no. For a second, it'll say that you both have the headshot, but ultimately, it'll it'll give you the correct answer. And so that's the important thing is because it's asset compliant at a node level, and because of the way our replication is built, ultimately you always end up with the right answer. But for However long it takes to globally replicate, let's say it's 200 milliseconds, there could be slightly wrong answers. That'll be a dramatic moment. The question about uh, Node.js, does using Node.js make it faster? Or was it just that was the the thing that you were most conversant in? Uh, You know, our team, we we have a lot of experience in a lot of languages. But across the entire team, that was the consistent language and JavaScript framework. I will say, you know, going back to underlying libraries, you know, while it is JavaScript underneath the hood, a lot of times it's C, C++. So you get a lot of performance. There's, you know, from raw C or C++, you will lose a little bit of performance, you know, in that transport, you know, as it goes through the V8 engine. But even still, like our underlying data store is LMDB. It's written in C, but we're using an amazing binding for LMDB. So our underlying data store is this like high performant key value store. And again, leveraging the NPM community, we were able to implement that into our product. Now again, like it's not all just LMDB, it's also based off of, you know, how we're indexing and how we're utilizing that binding and that key value store um, that we're also getting performance out of. But, you know, for example, that's written in C, C++, and, but we're implementing it at the JavaScript layer. What's LMDB for folks that don't know? Yeah, so it uh, stands for Lightning Memory Map Database. Um, and so it's written by Howard Chu. Um, he's the CTO at Simas Corp, which they maintain Open LDAP. He's given a number of great talks. And if you ever want to do a real deep dive into it, you know, you can look him up. But he wrote that for Open LDAP, um, but made it open source. It's using uh, memory maps. So what that means is the Records are in byte addressable space in memory. And so once you've read it once or written it, it's essentially like it's an in-memory access. And so the IO gets a lot faster. And a lot of the, you can have a bigger map on disk than you have memory. Um, And then the OS is just managing the cycling of memory space and things like that. So he's made a lot of really intelligent decisions you know, and one of the reasons why we use it, it's been around for a decade, super performant. And there was needs that we had the way HarperDB works, it fell into all the needs that we had. And because we did a bake off on a bunch of products uh, around that. But, you know, we can leverage like the power of Node being C and C++ under the hood and the community that gives us access to some great power and speed. It's interesting, I, you know, you mentioned twice sort of, yeah, the idea of community and NPM and being able to leverage that. Is there a sense that that's something you're trying to do, like to build community in some way or to make this open to contributors in some way so that, you know, people who are in the ecosystem, but maybe not directly working for your clients can contribute? 
So HarperDB currently is closed source and, you know, Stephen can speak to this. Like Stephen worked at Red Hat and well, Stephen, I don't know. I, I'll just kick it to you, <laughs> kick it to you for like the open source decision. You always speak to that well. I, yeah. So I did work at Red Hat. I'm a huge fan of open source software. We are doing our best to open source as much of HarperDB as possible. All of the tooling around it, studios, drivers, connectors, Currently, as Kyle said, we use a freemium premium model um, for the core of HarperDB. Uh, we do have a free forever tier that we intend to keep free forever. And our goal ultimately is to find a way to hopefully open source even more of HarperDB. We have built a pretty awesome community around HarperDB. Slack has been an amazing tool for that. Um, we've hosted a number of events where we're starting to see a lot of people get involved and social media has been great for that. We, we do try and foster community as much as possible. Part of our, like philosophically, HarperDB being, our intent is to build the easiest database in the world to use. And so what we found is that a lot of folks who are new to their careers in development, especially folks who don't come from a traditional background, you know, maybe they don't have a CS degree, they're from a code school or they're self-taught developers, really find HarperDB really interesting. And we've gotten a lot of enjoyment out of sort of fostering that community, helping those folks with their journeys. Um, and Kyle and I both personally find that to be an incredibly rewarding part of HarperDB. One of my favorite things is when I like wake up to a tweet about someone finding it and building something new. And I spend a lot of my time working on sort of building that community. And we've really seen that take off in, in the last several months. And it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and there's one thing I'd like to tag on that too is we just released a new feature in HarperDB called Custom Functions. And uh, you could think of it like Lambda where you're writing JavaScript code that you can run in line in HarperDB. And that you can create, you know, our user base, they can create plugins, modules, open source that. We're working on recipes that we are just going to share with the community, like extra way, new ways of doing um, authentication inside functions and doing ML and AI leveraging, you know, HarperDB with custom functions. So while the core of our product is not currently open source, we're working really diligently on making aspects of HarperDB open to the community itself. And, you know, the other key thing with that functions too, is you can pull in extra libraries. It's not just locked down to just HarperDB and then that's it. So it's making it as open as we possibly can and extending that simplicity. For our outro here, um, I used to, at the end of every episode, uh, read out a lifeboat badge to thank a member of the community, but it's been a little bit more fun recently to see if I can keep it topical. So I searched HarperDB Stack Overflow. And as you were just mentioning about recipes, this is from three months ago. How to create HarperDB table with Lambda, so an AWS Lambda. So if you're interested in that, there's a question here tagged with JavaScript, I believe. Yeah, you can go check it out. I'll put it in the show notes. JavaScript, Node.js, AWS, AWS Lambda, and NoSQL. Okay, it's a question about a lot of things, really. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I am Ben Popper, the Director of Content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. You can always email us with suggestions and questions, podcast at stackoverflow.com. And if you like the show, please do leave a rating and a review. You'd be surprised that it actually helps. I'm Ryan Donovan. I'm content marketer here at Stack Overflow. I edit the blog. I am occasionally on Twitter at rthordonovan. And if you have a great idea for a blog post, please email me at pitches at stackoverflow.com. 
I'm Steven Goldberg, um, founder of HarperDB and CEO. Um, you can find me on Twitter at sgoldberg, and you can find us at harperdb.io and find our Slack uh, and our resources there. I'm Kyle Bernhardy, co-founder and CTO at HarperDB. You can find me uh, occasionally on Twitter at Kyle Bernhardy and check us out at harperdb.io. All right. Well, thanks to both of you for coming on. And yeah, appreciate you reaching out to the show. Glad we could have you as guests. Thank you so much, everybody.